Hey church, we are in our I Am Free, sorry, in our I Am series. We're talking about I Am Free today. And remember that this is all about the abundant life and your identity in Christ. Our mission statement, our vision statement here at Trinity Life Church starts with discovering your identity in Christ. It starts with empowering that in you. It starts with saying, you have the same identity that I have, and that is in Christ Jesus. And if that's the case, well, what is that? Who is Jesus? And that's what this whole series is about. We're trying to find out who he is, you know, dive into the scriptures, look at um, some passages that are often overlooked, and say, what does this tell us about who Jesus is and who I am is? And then how does that mean who we are? How does that, what does that mean about us? So as Jesus says, I am free, we also say, I am free. And for this sermon in particular, my desire for you uh, is the desire of Jesus for you. It's, it's to be free. I'm trying to release you today of the things of the world that have crept in there. Adam, Adam talked about the little foxes, right? Um, so things of the world that have crept in there that are binding you that you may not even realize. So we want you in the kingdom, as Jesus has done, has done for us, to release us. We want to do that for you, to, to release you so that you're no longer confined by the ways of this world, so that you can operate in freedom, so you're no longer confined by the possessions of this world, or even the need for money in this world. Guys, this whole sermon today is about generosity and freedom from those things. Did you hear what I said? Like, I want to free you from all your worries and anxieties, from all your concerns, from all your, your uh, from whatever's confining you, from whatever's binding you, uh, for your need in regards to your need for money in regards to your possessions and the ways of this world and how it operates in the culture of this world. To be free is to have like true freedom in Christ. And I can tell you that, I can teach you that, I can tell you you should be generous. I can tell you that you're supposed to give it all to Jesus. I can tell you all the reasons why you should do that. But today I really just wanna help move you a step closer towards freedom, towards true freedom in Christ. Because you know those things. You know that Jesus has given us freedom, but you may not be living in that freedom. You know that you're not supposed to love money, but it's like so hard because money's everywhere and we need it. Uh, and I'm here to tell you that you don't need it like you think you need it. And and so what I want today is to just just release us a little bit. Some of us, we're... we're we were set free in Christ. Jesus set us free and we picked up those, those chains of the world and we put them back on us. We were carrying them around again. And, and Jesus is like, you don't have to do that. You don't need those things. Do not be anxious about those things, Jesus says. And we're like, no, we want to be anxious about those things. They're our security blanket. They, they make us feel safe. And he's like, no, you don't need those things anymore. And if, and, and if you think, oh, well, I think I'm good. If you don't think this applies to you, I'm telling you it does. It applies to all of us because we all live in this world that is consumed by those things. 
And so don't turn a blind eye to it. Don't just relinqu uh, relinquish yourself to the bound, the, the chains and the bindings. Uh, we want to try to see where we are bound today. We want, we want to open ourselves to the Holy Spirit to see that. And right before this passage that, that you read earlier, the two small segments right before it, one is the, the scribes, the chief priests, the religious people of the day, they are plotting to murder Jesus. And then right after this passage, this beautiful, magnificent, marvelous set of verses right after it, Judas, one of his closest friends, one of his most, one of his most trusted disciples, because Judas was the treasurer who handled the money, so one of his most trusted disciples betrays him, stabs him in the back. And so those are the bookends to this passage. Guys, today we don't want to be like those. We don't want to be like them. Judas was around Jesus for, for years, uh, around the country with him, following him, seeing him do, do all these magnificent works and, and, and hearing his teachings and, 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 and seeing truth lived out. And he experienced Christ, like the Messiah here on earth, and he still turned a blind eye and he still didn't recognize that he was bound by certain things in this world. He sold his soul for money, for 30 pieces of silver. He sold out the Messiah, the Savior of the world, for 30 pieces of silver, right? And, and we don't want to be like that. Um, and so I want us to just open our hearts, our minds, our hands today to what Jesus would, would have us be. Because like we talked about a few weeks ago, I am open, right? So let's be open to what God wants to do in us today in terms of generosity, in terms of freedom from finances. We have to talk about in the church like how to steward your finances well and all that. We're talking about freedom from those things today, from finances altogether. So let's see, let's see what happens in this passage. So let's, let's go. Begin in verse 3. And while Jesus was at Bethany, so Bethany is where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are from. So Lazarus, Jesus raises from the dead. Mary and Martha, you remember, or maybe you don't, but they're two sisters who are, uh, and Lazarus is their brother. And, uh, and Martha is a, uh, she, she often gets billed as like the workaholic, the, the doer who's always doing things. And Mary, the one who's like sitting at Jesus's feet and just listening and taking in everything. So there's a, there's a passage on, on, on that uh, earlier. So here we have Jesus at Bethany. He's in the house of Simon the leper, uh, probably someone he, he healed. And he's reclining at the table. And a woman who, it doesn't identify in this passage, but we know to be Mary. Lazarus's and Martha's sister from uh, the Gospel of John. So we know that it's Mary. So Mary of Bethany, Mary, Lazarus's sister, she comes in. And guys, just, just that act of her coming into a room where she probably didn't belong in that culture, being a woman and the, the men are dining around the table, the women were in their own section probably. Just her coming in there is already uh, culturally, it's already culturally, some would say inappropriate. It's culturally impudent, if, if nothing else. Uh, it's culturally bold. Right? So she's entering into this space. 
someone else's house where all all the the men the, all the men were hanging out. And Jesus is reclining the table and Mary comes in with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard. Now that nard is very expensive. Uh, it says it's very costly. And we're going to see that it was uh, it was about a year's wages. So the nard was it, it came from a plant in India. That's how that's how expensive it was. Like a lot of it came from India. So you're talking back then a huge distance to get something, which made it really expensive. So she has this very costly, pure alabaster flask full of pure nard. Okay. And she breaks the flask, so there's no going back from that. Once that once the neck of that flask is broken, it's over. You got to use it. Like all the aromas coming out too, and and she pours it over the head of Jesus, over his head. Right? It's like a Gatorade bath in sports. Like like Jesus just won, um, and she pours it over his head, and she anoints him. And later on, Jesus will say that this is for his burial. And I don't know, I, I think Mary may have knew that, right? She, she'd been sitting at, at the feet of Jesus and listening and, and just taking in everything he was teaching, which is kind of funny because the disciples still don't recognize that. They still don't think that. Um, they, they still don't fully understand that even in this passage that Jesus is on his way to his death. I mean, this this whole thing happens in the week leading up to the cross. So Jesus only has days left with the disciples on earth before the cross, before his death. And she breaks this. She anoints him for his death, for his burial. She pours this over him. But it's, 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 it's more than that, too. This is a pure act of devotion. This alabaster flask, the cost of it, the, the, the expense of it, it would have been, uh, back in those days, it would have been a sort of dowry that Mary would have given to uh, her eventual husband. And, and so this act is one of pure devotion to Jesus that she is actually saying, she guys, she's revealing the mystery of the gospel here, as Paul says in Ephesians 5, that we are the bride of Christ, that he is our groom, that when you, when you devote yourself to, to Christ, you're devoting yourself in marriage to our Lord Jesus. And so essentially she's saying, I'm giving my all and my everything to you. The bride of Christ, the mystery of the gospel. And Jesus, being in the week leading up to the cross, what's pretty magnificent about this is he's about to die as a completely innocent man on public display, stripped of all of his clothes, stripped of his dignity, stripped of his disciples, they've left him, but this fragrant aroma that's on Jesus will still be on his body. It was the one earthly possession 
that Jesus took with him to the cross was this. And in her, in her love and her devotion and her joy and her peace in Jesus, she breaks this thing and pours it all out over his head. I just want to stop right there because that is such a beautiful, magnificent act of devotion. And oftentimes we're, we're um, devoted to things that don't give us good things, that don't give us goodness. We're devoted to things that don't give us peace. Like you may do, be devoted to your job because it gives you a paycheck, but you may hate your job. Like you may de- be devoted to, um, and this is kind of a funny example, but a sports team, but your sports team always loses and doesn't give you any joy or peace. And, and so we're devoted to things sometimes that don't help us. You may de- be devoted to eating unhealthily and it just makes things worse. You may be devoted to your Netflix account and it's just putting the wrong things in your mind uh, when you could be devoted to Jesus. And here we see a pure act of devotion. And so I want to ask you this question. We're not going to pause it or anything like that. Uh, This is just for you to consider because what we should be devoted to is what gives us the most joy. So I just want to ask you in your life right now, What gives you the most joy? And is that the thing that you're devoted to? Just answer that for yourself. And if that's not your job, but you spend eight to 10 hours at that every day, is that the thing you should be devoted to. And maybe it still is. Maybe you need to change your perspective. But maybe it's not. Maybe you're in an industry that just peddles lies. Maybe you need to get out of that. What are you devoted to? But what gives you the most joy? If that's... If that's Jesus, then that's going to change where you spend your time and what you're devoted to. So just, just remember your answer. We're going to go through this. We're going to go through this more. So verse 4. There are some who said to themselves indignantly. Okay, so here's the thing. They said this to themselves. So Jesus knows what they're thinking. He knows, or he can hear, even if they said it out loud to themselves, he can hear the rumbling of it, right? The whisperings. They say, why was the ointment wasted like that? Why was it wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. So 300 denarii was basically a year's wages in that time. So think about what you earn in a year. So think about what you earn in a year. And now think about you just gave all of that to Jesus. 
what you earn in a year, you just gave all that to Jesus. Maybe this will, maybe this will put it into uh, more, more concrete terms. How about this? Think about what you purchase in a year with those wages. So your Starbucks coffee runs, your cafe runs, your, uh, the places you go out to eat, your streaming services subscriptions, your uh, cell phone, your, um, uh, your clothing, your kids' stuff, well, your kids' toys, your kids' birthday parties, your kids' clothing, your kids' bikes, your, your own bicycles, your, everything you use for your, your living arrangements. You know, if you're in a home, how you reno it, what you, what you put in your yard, what you put in your house, your furniture. Think about all the things that you purchase in a year. If you're in an apartment, how you decorate it, you know, all, everything you have in a year. You, the gas you put in your car, your car, um, what you spend on fixing your car. Uh, I mean, guys, we can go on and on and on. Think about all the things that you purchase in a year. That, for some of you, that may exceed what you earn in a year. That's called debt. <laughs> so think about all those things and now lay those things at the feet of Jesus. Lay all that at the feet of Jesus. That's what, that's what she's doing. She took a year's worth of wages, a year's worth of purchases, a year's worth of possessions, and she laid it all at, at the feet of Jesus. Her suit, her, her, what she gets in the supermarket, the grocery store, what she buys at Costco, what she gets on Amazon, what she buys at uh, Indigo, what she pays for online, all those things, all at the feet of Jesus. And it says, the people who were thinking these things, who were saying these things to themselves indignantly, it says, and they scolded her. Now, that word scolded for us in our, in our uh, setting uh, gives us kind of the picture, at least it does me, of like a parent wagging their finger at a, at a child saying, hey, don't do that. That's like a scold, right? Hey, don't, don't do that, right? But this word in the Greek is actually really strong. It, it actually means something way stronger. It's, it's basically like to give you some imagery, it, it actually means to snort with anger, like, like a bull. Like you think of a bull like snorting in anger. That's what this is like, oh my gosh, so disgusting. I can't believe you did that. You know, just indignant. The Greek word can actually be translated to express violent displeasure. Like you're so mad at, that this happened, you're, you punch the wall. Like you're so mad you slam your hands down on the table. Like how could she do that? This is so ridiculous, right? This, this indignation, this, this scolding is, is that strong. And guys, these are, this isn't, we're not talking about, um, uh, we're, we're talking about Jesus' disciples here. Like, these are the people who are indignant. These are the people who are scolding. These are the people who have actually also received 
hospitality from Mary in, in so many other settings. These are, these are people who are, who, I mean, that's her sister. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. Like, these are people who are friends, and they're so disgusted that she would do this to their Lord and their master, at least the one they've, they've been paying lip service to, the ones they've said that they're Lord and master. And they, and they say this, they, they, they feign a concern for the poor in doing so. And, and they say it could have been given to the poor. And look what Jesus says. He doesn't join in on the scolding. He doesn't say, what are you doing wasting all that on me? He tells the disciples, he says, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? Because that's the question of love, of devotion. Like, what are you devoted to? Why, why are you troubling her? You must be devoted to something else. You must not recognize her act of love and devotion, and you must be devoted to something else. Why are you, why are you troubling her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. And look what Jesus says about their feigned concern for the poor. He says, you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. It's almost like he's like, hey, I haven't seen you so concerned about the poor before. Like, whenever you want, you can do good for the poor. But you will not always have me here. Remember, this is days before he goes to the cross. He says, you won't always have me here. And he's not contradicting his own teaching on the poor, guys. You can look through, through all the gospels, you can look through all the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament and see that God is so concerned with the poor. I mean, the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor, right? Blessed are the meek, blessed are those who are persecuted. Like, he's, he's concerned for the poor. Jesus himself gave up everything to be poor, both from heaven to earth, then a lot of scholars think from earth to earth. Right? He, was, he, he, he was secure financially, and then he gave all that up. So Jesus has concern for the poor. That's not what he's saying here. He's simply pointing out the irony of their reaction, and then he's making his point by saying, you will not always have me here with you. She, Mary, has done what she could. She's anointed my body beforehand for burial. And so there's that, that theological truth that the disciples have missed, but I think Mary has some inkling of. She's actually been listening to Jesus. And, and so it's an act of devotion, but also an act of, I recognize the sacrifice you're about to make for all of us. She's anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, actually, let's, let's wait there. The disciples, remember, those around the table, wasn't just the disciples, but as people who were trying to learn and listen from Jesus. So not just the 12, right, but more people. They're indignant. They were scolding. And they said, why was this ointment wasted like that? And so think about all those things that I listed before, all those things that that uh, you bought within a year, all of that your wages earned in a year that you bought? Now, answer this question on your own. What possessions would you waste on Jesus? 
Or what possessions would you not waste on Jesus? This was Mary's most valuable possession. And she, quote unquote, wasted it on Jesus. What looked like waste to the world, she gave it all to him. He wasn't going to marry her in a earthly, physical marriage. She wasted it. He wasn't going to be around in a few days. He was going to be dead in a few days on a cross. Looks like she wasted it. She could have sold that and given it to the poor. What a waste. What possessions are you willing to waste on Jesus? And if you have possessions that you wouldn't be willing to waste, those are the things that are binding you. Those are things that you picked up from the world and put back around you as chains. And guys, I'm, I'm not just talking about things we buy. I'm talking about your family. So many of us are like, oh, well, I can give up any material possession, but I can never move away from my family. Oh, I hope my kids don't live in a different country from me when they grow up. I, I want them to love Jesus and serve Jesus, but not as a missionary somewhere else. Like, so think about possessions in that regard too. What's something you would not, that would look like waste in the world, but you would not be willing to give up for Jesus. She was willing to give everything, Mary was. And in verse nine, Jesus says this, and truly, this is like an emphatic statement in, in the culture. Like, and truly, I say to you, so that both of those things combine, like, and truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed, in the whole world. So we're in little Israel here, and Jesus is already saying, this is global. Like, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the entire world, what Mary has done will be told in memory of her. This one act, Jesus singles out as one of the most important in all of salvation history. He didn't say this about anything else. He talks about this one act. Wherever the gospel is proclaimed, this will go along with it. In all of salvation history, what she does changes that because it's a pure act of love and devotion. She's free. The things of this world do not bind her. The possessions, the, the guys, she, could, she didn't have to sell that and give it to the poor. She could have sold it and given it to herself. But that doesn't bind her. That doesn't hold her back from giving to Jesus. She's truly free. She sees that Jesus was free. Like I told you, he gave it up. And she says, I can be free too. I don't want to be held back by the way this world works. I don't want to be held back by material possessions. 
She could have just kept all that and sat with it. Like, it could have just sat there the whole time. She could have just had it, right? Because she doesn't want to be held back by that. How many possessions do we have that just sit there? They're quote-unquote valuable possessions that just sit there. The most expensive car just got sold for $143 million. It's a 1950s Mercedes. You know what? You can't drive it. It just sits there. How many possessions do we have like that? Guys, we have storage units for those possessions. They just sit there. Like that means we have too many things that just sit there. So, so she could have been like that. She said, no, I don't want that to hold me back. No, I don't want money to hold me back. I don't want these things to hold me back from being fully devoted and honoring my Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. I am free as he is free. And she blesses him physically with his magnificent aroma. And Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, I love this passage. He picks up on this in 2 Corinthians, sorry, 2 Corinthians 2. Uh, and he says this, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. She, she is preparing Christ for triumphal procession. And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere over the whole world. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, it's a fragrance from death to death, and to the other, it's a fragrance from life to life. Ah, such a beautiful uh, just application to us as the church. And Jesus goes to the cross with this fragrant aroma of, of life to life, and we get to partake in that. We get to be a part of that. Because in a sense, Jesus is free of charge. Right? If you want to put it in financial terms, and he's free. He's done everything for us to pave the way for salvation. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to earn our way there. We don't have to make up for our sin debt. Like if I do something bad and evil and wrong, I don't have to do something good to make up for it. We are forgiven in Jesus. He is forgiver, right? So in a sense, he's free of charge. He opens the way for us. And he says, I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, follow me. But in a sense, in another sense, he's not free. Because when you come to Jesus, he requires everything of you. Full devotion, your entire self. And what's ironic about this is that's the freedom of Christ. It's that you can give everything over to Jesus and be truly set free because he's trying to release you of all these things that you think you need that are actually not him. And he's like, just give everything to me and I'll give you everything in return. Because in me, you have every spiritual blessing. And you're like, oh, okay, spiritual blessing. No, he's like, 
if you give up everything for me, you'll see a hundredfold in this world and in the life to come. As I've seen that in my own life, I've seen it happen. It has happened. It is happening. Freedom. I want to give that to you today. I want you to just take a step forward into that. Here's the last question I want to ask you. And just think about this. What would you do with your life if earning money was not an object? If you didn't have to worry about earning money, if you didn't feel like you needed money to live, which you don't, if you, if, if you really felt like you didn't need that, what would you do with your life? And I know it's tough because you're like, no, you do need money. And I'm like, no, guys, you don't. You have to trust God in this. It's a Sermon on the Mount. What would you do? What would you do with your life if earning money was not an object? What gives you the most joy? What possessions would you waste on Jesus? If you could truly be free and you felt like you could truly choose, what would you do with your life? You know, when I was in my low 20s, 22, 23, yeah, I was 22, I asked those questions. Those aren't just arbitrary questions that I just made up for this. Those are questions from my own life. And I was on the track to going into advertising, to going into business, um, publishing business, um, being successful, making a lot of money, uh, opening an ad agency in New York City, you know, getting advanced degrees in advertising. That was that was what the the dream was. And I asked these questions, and I answered them. Well, I think the Holy Spirit answered them. And so what gives you the most joy? When I was asked that, the Holy Spirit said, showing others how to live more like Jesus. Teaching the word, making disciples. When I was asked, what possessions would you waste on Jesus? I hesitated. But then the answer became everything. I would hold nothing back. And then what would you do with your life if earning money was not an object? Same answer as the first. Make disciples. Teach people the word of God. Empower others in their gifts. Show them the way. Share my faith. It's just the mission of God. And so at that time in my life, I had a total switch to do those things. 
And I patterned my entire life around those things because they're the only things that matter in my life. And the only things, they're the only reason I will get married and have kids and do anything that I do from that point forward was to fulfill the mission of God, was to give Jesus everything, my full undivided attention and devotion. And I've lived free since then because Jesus is free. I've lived abundantly since then because he's abundant and he promised that. And we've seen a hundredfold, guys, seen a thousandfold because Jesus is faithful. We're not anxious about things of this world because we know he's the God of infinite resources. And we live lives of generosity because we know none of it's ours and there's way more where it came from. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. And so I encourage you, step forward in that freedom. Step forward into who God wants you to be, into the the calling that Jesus is, is saying to all of us. Your identity in Christ, your destiny in Christ means the same thing. Guys, those aren't unique questions for me, to me. Those aren't unique answers. They should be all of our answers. Your destiny in Christ is the exact same as mine. The way you influence may look different, but I said no to the things of the world because my destiny is to fulfill the mission of God. And so I encourage you to step into that. That is the abundant life. That is the generous life. That is the free life. And Jesus is free so that you can be free. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for just relinquishing everything in the form of a servant obedient to death on a cross. I don't know why we think we're, we're so much greater than you sometimes. If we want to follow you, that's what we're following you for. It's why you tell us to take up our cross daily. And so help us do that. for your glory, for your namesake, for your mission. In your name, amen.